0: So What is a podcast from The Gathering at Crossings Community Church. This podcast exists to help young adults navigate real life and cultural topics in light of what the Bible says. The Gathering meets weekly on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. at Crossings Community Church. is a place for young adults in their 20s and 30s to belong and be known and become like Christ. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, you ready? Yep. I hate this every time. I feel like I just look really silly. Ready? Hey guys, welcome to So What? We're glad you joined us this week. Um, we kicked off a new series at The Gathering this week over Philippians, but we are still doing just kind of message recap. We really liked that and we've liked how we've been doing it. And so we still want to kind of roll with that and just still have that time to break down topics, talk more about them, and just get a little bit more in depth. Um, but before we get into that, one of the things that we talked about was last night on, well, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday. Was like the defining moment, or like a day that changed your life. And so, opening question, a little heavier this week. Not hmm. about conspiracy theories. Sorry, I got banned from that one. <laughs> um But it is what day in your life has most changed the way you live? Man, that or like how you live. It's a really heavy hitter question. I mean, I
1: would. Pro- I mean, it's probably ha- having a kid. I think the day that we had we had our first baby um, that changed the game. I, it went from. Hey, I, it's just me and Taylor. To oh man, we got to keep a person alive, and so that changes. That changes everything. So that that's my answer. Every day I had a kid, it changed my life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like changed it for good and difficult. And how many kids are we at? Five. Five. And
1: no, we're done. Five. That is it. Five that's five that is the limit answer. we are at. Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> um, for me, it was probably honestly when I quit my corporate job.
1: Mm.
0: It was I quit that one, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea I was going to do ministry, but I think. I can tell like from that point on, it very much like changed the trajectory of my life where I was going. So, cause I was like, all right, tried this, didn't work out. There wasn't meaning in it. So I kind of set me on a quest that I loved and I ended up here. So that was probably it for me.
1: Hey, that was a great day for you. It was Let's a great go. day for me. It was a great time. <laughs>
0: just big relief. And then followed by massive confusion. But that's okay. We swung through it. We prayed through it. We got there. We got there. Um, before we dive in, can you just kind of give a quick, recap of Tuesday's message yeah. for those who weren't there and just kind of the idea behind the series that we kicked off as well.
1: Yeah. So, you know, um, we're going through the book of Philippians. We're not going verse by verse. Um, we're kind of going chapter by chapter and hitting the the big themes and topics that uh, Paul talks about in his letter to the Philippines, not the Philippines, <laughs> Philippi. Please um, don't cut that. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So the, just kind of the, as you read through the, this letter, what you see Paul talking about often is mindset, thinking, knowing. And so we're just going to walk through it through the book of Philippians, kind of looking through the lens of what is the mindset um, that Paul is encouraging um, the uh, Philippi to have as, as Christians because they're dealing with a lot of stuff in Philippi. Um, Not all good, Um, but they are faithfully walking with the Lord and he is just kind of, again, repeating but also encouraging a mindset um, of advancing the gospel a mindset of maturity a mindset of contentment like just he's talking a lot about the mind and Mm -hmm. so yeah
0: yeah I think it'll be really interesting too just like the series in general I'm excited for it Philippians just a great book all around it's short it's encouraging it's challenging it's awesome
1: you can read it in 20 minutes easily maybe 15 if you're yeah yeah. If you
0: have read Philippians, read it. It'll give you a good That's one thing on the that, series. you know,
1: with, with the letters of the New Testament that I think um, in our kind of culture of, hey, let's do a quick quiet time. We never actually read the whole letter in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Like if you got a letter from somebody in the mail. You would never just read the first paragraph and then put it down for a couple days. Let me
0: dissect that for a couple days.
1: And then come back and then read another couple of lines and be like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> like, no, you would read the whole yeah. things because you we, you want the context. Mm-hmm. And that's when you start catching themes and how Paul, because kind of Paul writes kind of circular mm-hmm. where he hits a topic and then a chapter or two later, he'll come back to that topic. And then a verse or two later, he'll come back to that topic. So he he's a circular writer. Mm-hmm. And when you read the whole letter you can start to see those things.
0: Well, something that I didn't do really until recently, like in the past couple of years, like I had never sat down and read a whole one. Uh, Once I think you're right, like I was trying to that very like, all right, let me read my five verses and just sit with them. But you're right, like it changes the whole context of the letter sometimes and how you view it. Or I know for me, like there were a lot of passages that I was like, that's a little weird that I would get tripped up on. But when I read the whole thing in context, like, oh, that makes perfect sense through the whole context of letters. So if you haven't done that, I challenge you to do it because it's a really, a really cool way to look at scripture, I think. But, so you mentioned that we talked about mindsets kind of on Tuesday. And so one of the ones that you talked about was the battleship versus the cruise ship mentality. Mm, Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so this week was um, living with an eternal mindset. We see in in chapter one, um, Paul does a couple things and they're all eternally focused. It's not just his situation. So first he encouraged um, uh, those in the church of Philippi to remember the day of christ in in the first i think 11 verses he says it two times uh, the day of christ which means the day that christ will return and make all things new like well, let's live today with tomorrow in mind um or as i said the, last night was we, we in light of tomorrow in that day we live today mm-hmm. and so then then he moves on to his situation because he's writing this letter from prison he's like hey i'm i'm in here for jesus and the advancement of the gospel again, eternal mindset. Even this situation, all mm-hmm. the imperial guard know that I'm in here for Christ, and so again, you see this eternal mindset. So the battleship cruise ship thing, uh, it's it, it's a an illustration I've heard for a long time, and I've always loved it because uh, you know you go on a cruise ship. I love cruises. It's my one of my favorite vacations. Big cruise guy. Um, because what is a cruise? It is completely catered to whatever you want. Like mm-hmm. you can sleep. You can go read a book, you can go to a show, you can go eat, you can go like, you can just do whatever you want, whenever you want. The only goal on a cruise is you. Yeah. And you don't have to do anything. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing guiding you other than your own desires, urges, whatever. And so that's what a cruise is. It's just relaxation, Um, no expectation and everything revolves around you. And so I think it's just a really good picture of just humanity is that we kind of live, I love the term East of Eden, right? Adam And Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden to the East. And so now we live in a fallen and broken world that is tainted and covered um, and influenced by sin. And because of that, we kind of naturally wake up every day with a cruise ship mentality, meaning me focused. It is what I want, when I want, how I want. Um, And we try to micromanage our lives to do that. The battleship then to me, and, and this is, I'm glad we do this podcast. We, I kind of get to explain a little bit more about this because I, what I wouldn't want people to think is the Christian life is a war and you need to win. That is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a battleship has a totally different function than a cruise ship. Soldiers who are getting on a battleship cannot afford to have a cruise ship mentality on a battleship. Mm-hmm. right? Because a battleship has a very clear and noble mission. Um, they have a very clear and what I would say good and trustworthy captain that they are following on the mission and that that mission is not self-focused. It is mm-hmm. to love and care for and rescue and redeem people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean. I don't mean war. I don't, now there's battles, but I don't, what I don't want our people to hear is, all right, you need to go win wars, yeah. And every relationship you're in, it's a war. And every every circumstance you're in, it is a war. Like, yes and no, right? Like, I don't. we don't need to be violent. We don't need to be mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I don't know. So does that make sense? I, yeah. I just, I, I want to, I'm glad we could, cl- I want to clarify that, uh, that mm-hmm. I think we wake up every day with a cruise ship mentality, but mm-hmm. Paul, man, he was on a, he had a, he had a mission.
0: Well, I think to it like through it as well as just like cruise ships are very aimless mm-hmm. while battleships have a very clear and singular goal that they're striving for. Yeah. And I think like we've both, like we've talked and like we've both lived lives both ways. Yeah. Like I've lived life very aimlessly, like for me and whatever I wanted and I've lived life for the Lord. And those are vastly different in what they look like, much like cruise ships and battleships. So I like that you clarified that. Cause you're like, okay, it's not like yeah. go fight, win every yep. time. Yeah. So kind of along those lines, something that I think comes up when you think of a battleship is, hardship and suffering. You talked about it. You Mm said, I think the US, the ship in Alabama, which I stayed on that ship as a child, fun fact, from my my Girl Scout trips, but it is not comfortable. Like It is not comfortable. It's not pleasant. It's not really enjoyable. And so I think we will hear that. The doubt that kind of creeps in is, am I always going to have hardships in an unenjoyable, not fun life if I follow the Lord? Like, it's not what I'm signing up for.
1: Yeah. No, great question. I think that um, the answer is uh, yes and no. Um, I think, just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago um, of this idea of of disordered desires right mm-hmm. we talked about it following christ starts with death and that's hard the death of self the death of desires that that are evil within me and so following christ is like we need to be you know pick up your cross and follow him mm-hmm. so yes there there is a continual quote unquote battle going on against our flesh our our natural uh, sinful fallen desires. There is going to be a battle. You see that in, in Paul, his own own words in Romans chapter seven, where he's, we, we don't know what he's talking about specifically, but he says, why do I do the things that I do not want to do? The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Mm-hmm. And so he, he says, so this is what I see that there. He says, I see this law at work in me, that when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Yeah right? And then you see Peter in uh, chapter five uh, of first Peter, he says, um, be sober-minded and alert for your enemy. The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion waiting to devour. Jesus talks about it in John 10, 10. He says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So yes, th- those, are, those are words of battle, steal, kill, and destroy. And so, yes, there is a side of the Christian faith that is going to be a battle and it is going to be difficult but Jesus said I will give you my spirit to walk mm-hmm. with you and give you peace and guide you and convict you and lead you. And so we're not alone in the battle. But no, like some of I remember that the season of my life that I realized I really want to follow Jesus was when I worked at a summer camp for the first time. And I realized I'm having more fun living in this Christian community than I've ever had in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: there was there was no sex. There was no drugs. There's no alcohol. It was just fun with yeah. fun people. And they were all believers. And so mm-hmm. I have a ton of fun with my, with, with my Christian friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we laugh a lot, but the, there is a continual battle because there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And so there, there's a tension there. Yeah. Um, I think the, the good thing for, for believers is we acknowledge the battle. I think for those without Christ, they are just succumbing to the battle. They're just getting beat every day mm-hmm. by, by uh, the sin of this world. Uh, the enemy is stealing and killing and destroying. And he's smart enough not to usually do it all in one fell swoop. Yeah, It's a slow burn. And so anyway, that, that's how I answer mm-hmm. the question. Yes, yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's hard, but it is a joy. And mm-hmm. it, is, it is awesome.
0: Well, and I like that you kind of touched on the fact of how much like joy there is in walking the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Cause like a lot of my stories that I did party, I did go out, I did do all the things. I'm like, that's more fun. And looking at the Christian life at what I'm called to feels like rules. It feels like things mm-hmm. that I don't want to do. It feels very, very boring. And what I've realized through the years is I had such a narrow mindset of what enjoyable was. Yeah. Like I was very much warped, like what the world said was enjoyable and what I realized is it is much more enjoyable living life, how we were designed to live and how God created us to live it. Like you said, Jesus calls us to life and life in the full than looking at what the world offers and can, like considers fun. And so I think for me, I had to change my heart to change my appetite to what I found enjoyable because there was a mm. season where that yep. was that was hard. I was like, OK, yep. like. I like going out. I like doing all these things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit and read my Bible on a Saturday night. Yeah. So what do I do in this tension? Because that's
1: what all Christians do for fun I is exactly. sit in their room and, and read their Bible every thought. Saturday night. Yeah. I yeah. remember <laughs> when I came to Crossings,
0: I finally had a group of people that I was friends with that didn't do that all the time. And I was like, oh. Like, there's another option between just being really boring and being at home all the time. Because if you know me, you know I'm not a homebody. That is not my jam.
1: Your weekends just <laughs> exhaust me just hearing about them every time. I can't imagine.
0: <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, like, I didn't think yeah. there was an option C. You yeah. know what I mean? And so if that's you and you're like, okay, like, I still want to have fun and be a Christian, I just want to, like, find good Christian community. Like, it's out there. Like, it's yeah. not this or that. Like, you can really find people who you enjoy doing things with who also enjoy pursuing the Lord.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay, so that was kind of a little tangent. We're going to get we're gonna be back right, on topic on. now. Back let's on let's keep topic. Going. Um, Okay, so kind of on the idea of an internal mindset, we were at a conference last year as a staff, and one of the speakers asked this question, and she said, what would you do if you knew that Christ was coming back in five years? And we were like, we talked about it as a staff, and it really rattled us a mm-hmm. little bit. She's like, okay, like, I think we always think like, what if Christ comes back tomorrow, or what if Christ comes back at the end of my life? But that five-year window really gives you some time for like productivity and to do things. And so we just had some really good discussion about what that would look like in our personal lives, in our ministry and all of those different things. And you asked a really similar question last night, which was, how does the day of Christ coming change how we live now? And so kind of what would you say to that question, what do you think would change in us as people? Or like, how would we assess that, if that makes sense? I th- yeah,
1: I think, I mean, Cause it's a good the,
0: question to kind of ruminate on a little bit.
1: The first word that comes to my mind when I think either the five-year thing, or if, if we have an eternal mindset that we, that we are considering the day of Christ, you know, could be tomorrow, right? Or mm-hmm. five years or whatever, that, that Jesus is coming back. I think urgency is the word I think about. Yeah. Is that everything in my faith and my life would become more urgent. Um, I would not take for granted a day. I would not take for granted an opportunity. Because um, you think about, you know, just think about this. You probably went to high school with some people or college with some people that you never knew the conversation that you had with them was going to literally be the last time you ever spoke to them. No one tells you that. Mm-hmm. No one says, hey, this is the last opportunity you're going to have to ever say hi to this person or hug them or not because they die, but just because your life's going a different direction. Yeah. But that happens. All the time, right? You see somebody, and you're like, "That's the last time I will probably ever see them." And so, I think if we knew, like, if you knew that day was coming on, you know, a particular date, I think our lives would would turn into urgency for the gospel, and that's what we see in Paul. Mm-hmm. We see him with an urgency and a passion that is just, quite frankly, absent in a lot of Christianity today, uh, because we're we're just easily distracted and we assume. We have more time and we assume, oh, that'll happen another time in a better situation when, when all the, you know, everything's aligned better. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. We're
0: always waiting on better too, I yeah. think. We're always waiting on like the right time in the right situations. And I love the talk about like the sense of urgency and a mission of like, okay, things that I would do, things I yeah. would go out, people I would serve. Like, I think we would be going out and serving every opportunity we can. We'd be helping the poor, helping the homeless, helping the mm-hmm. needy. But two, I think there's an element of urgency with dealing with our own sin and habits in our lives. Yep. I think a lot of times we kind of think we have time to play around with sin. Like, yeah. okay, well, like this isn't really that big of a deal. Like, I'll get an order at some point and we don't really treat our sin with urgency because our culture really doesn't. Yeah.
1: And so yeah. it just starts to change how we view uh, life and reality because that, mm-hmm. that's, that's what reality is, what is actually true. And as Christians following God's word, what we believe is true is that Jesus is coming back mm-hmm. and... There is going to be, as I talked about last night, the day of Christ and the day of the Lord.
0: I love that distinction. You Can know, you explain that a little? Yeah, bit? Yeah, the, 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 the day George of Christ. King.
1: When you see Paul say that in Philippians one, um, a lot of theologians, you know, they're, they're, anyway, it's not it's not a hill to die on, but I think it's a really interesting turn of phrase. Paul says, "The day of, you know, keep in mind the day of Christ, mm-hmm. and that is the day of redemption, right? That Jesus is going to come back, and He is going to bring salvation and redemption for those who um, are His followers." Um. But then when you, in the Old Testament and other places in the New Testament, you see the phrase, the day of the Lord, and it is associated with judgment and wrath. And so there, there's a delineation there that for some people, because it's all the same day, in my opinion, when I, when I read that, it's the same day, the day, of the, the day of Christ and day of the Lord are the same day, depending on how you have handled Jesus, depends on whether that is a day of celebration or a day of judgment. A day of joy and redemption and a day of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so that day is coming. That's the reality. The spiritual reality is that there is a day. We don't know when it's going to be. Um, In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says like a thief in the night. You don't know when the thief is coming. Mm -hmm. Um, God's judgment will come. And we don't like to talk about judgment very often, but the Bible talks about it often. Jesus talks about it all the time that that is a spiritual reality that we deal with. And so when you keep those things in focus in our life, Mm -hmm. man, it brings an urgency um, to what we do.
0: Yeah. I think about it, even like just like that focus and that sense of urgency and like our actions. I remember I signed up for a half marathon when I was in college and I trained all the time for it because I knew that day was coming and I knew I was going to have to do it. Yep. I didn't end up doing it. Actually, I was on a mission trip, but I trained like I did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my friend was very upset. I didn't run with her, but the whole time I was training, I would
1: be too, dude. All that training, I then, then, then my friend bails. Bad, oh my she? gosh, terrible. <laughs>
0: um, anyway, but I was up until like right before I was training because I knew I would have to yep. do it. Whereas this year, I said I was going to run a half, and I didn't sign up for it because so I was like, I'll oh, wait and see. Didn't train at all because I wasn't certain the day yeah, was there coming. wasn't a day. There wasn't a day. I yep. so like, why would my actions change? And I think
1: we do this all the time,
0: all the time for all kinds yep. of things, all the time. So just like a really good perspective. So we've been talking and we can kind of establish how important having this mindset is for us as Christians, as believers, not only for our personal lives, but for our ministry, for our mission, and just for advancing the gospel as a whole. So why do you think it is so easy for us to lose this mindset and to take our eyes off of it?
1: Uh, the, I think it's really easy for a couple of reasons. One, we have a lot of distractions in front of us. Mm. Um, two there is an enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion waiting to devour. And that sounds really dramatic. And what I found is that Satan is not super into drama. He is into subtle, Mm. he is into slow play. And he knows that, you know what, if I could just, like there's a book by C.S. Lewis called called The Screwtape Letters, Mm -hmm. phenomenal book. Um, It's kind of a weird premise, but it's really powerful. But it's basically letter writing, between two demons one is the older demon and one is the the apprentice and the older one is writing letters to the young demon explaining how do you trip up the christian how do we do this and it's all subtle it's all subtle it's just hey get him busy with this get get him carrying out politics too much get him in, in, involved in lust and pleasure like just all these things that and it's not like hey you know I mean, it's just, it's just subtle. Mm. And so I think the distractions are subtle. I think our culture that we are immersed in um, tells us, you know, is discipling us in every other way. Um, and so that is the, the hard part that we talked about earlier is, yeah, okay. But here's the cool thing about distraction is every time we get distracted um, or we, we don't live up to, to what we would hope, that's just an opportunity to repent. What a wonderful thing. To say, you know what? It's just another opportunity to turn back to God and his grace and his mercy are waiting for us. And so it's not a turn of shame. It's a turn of, all right, God, got my eyes off you. Let's get back at it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. And so we follow him. And so it's just an opportunity to repent. Yeah. like There's nothing bad about repenting a thousand times a day.
0: Nope, as and, long as you repent.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting that we kind of hit on was just Paul's perspective on his suffering. Mm-hmm. So in Philippians 1, 12 through 14, I'm going to read it real quick. And it just says, I want you to know brothers that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard to all that rest my imprisonment for Christ. The, and most of brothers having become confident in the Lord in my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. And then also, um, in Philippians later in the chapter one, 26. 21 through 26, Mm -hmm. he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, that means fruitful work for me, and if I don't know which one I should choose, I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for the progress and the joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. And what strikes me in both of these passages is just Paul's perspective yeah. on his suffering. It's incredible. Like he views it as a way to advance the gospel and that's it. And so how do you think we would walk through our suffering differently if we adopted that mentality yeah. of, okay, like this isn't, if we stopped from the internal, this is me focused. How is it be happening to me? How can this be happening to me? What am I doing? What's going on in my life? How's it going to affect my life too? Oh man, what is God doing here? Yeah, like he's doing absolutely. something how do you think that would take well, to
1: walk I mean, through it? You know, we don't do suffering well. Like, can we just, can we admit that? Um, we love comfort. You know, that, that's, yeah, that's what we talked about last night. Like the enemy of an eternal perspective is comfort. Yep. Um, we want, we want to get comfortable in the temporary earthly bodies that we have in this life. That's only, you know, 60, 70, 80 years long. Uh, we want to get as comfortable as possible knowing that that this, this life is going to end. Mm-hmm. And so we don't handle suffering well, especially in the Western world, Um But I think the perspective Paul has is just, I admire it so much. And I pray that God would give me more of Paul's perspective. But I think that um, what's amazing is that his, his affection was to be with Jesus. And so whether he's in prison or whether he is contemplating whether he's gonna get out of prison or be killed, he's rejoicing because his his options are good either way. And so, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but the, the, the suffering, what would that look like for us? Um, I think it's taking every situation we have and asking a simple question. How could I advance the gospel of Jesus in this situation? Because Paul doesn't, he doesn't say, oh, this is, it's great in here. I love prison.
0: I love this. Right?
1: He doesn't say that. What he says is, my situation has actually worked to advance the gospel. That's Mm -hmm. all he says. So we can suffer, but still be on mission. We can have difficulty and still be on mission Mm -hmm. and not try and smile our way out of the reality of the the Mm -hmm. difficulty.
0: It's not really sugarcoating the problem. It's just taking the focus off of the problem.
1: He's just saying, I have a problem, but within the problem, the gospel is advancing. And Mm -hmm. so whether you have a you know, an illness or whether you have relationship problems or maybe your work environment is not good or toxic. Mm-hmm. Like those are all very real situations. The question that maybe we add to it as believers is like, all right, even in this, God, how, how could I advance your gospel? How mm-hmm. can I proclaim your name? And it's probably gonna be a lot of small ways, but also maybe some big ways. Maybe it's our attitude, maybe it's our work ethic. Maybe it's how we handle conflict. Maybe it's how we, Talk about the situation instead of grumbling. Right? We say, "Hey, you know what? God's going to use this for my good and for His glory." So, anyway, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question,
0: but no, I think that's good. I think it just—it all goes back to having that eternal mindset of you can't have the right perspective on your suffering unless you take the focus off of yourself and focus it on Jesus and what's yeah. coming. And I think that's probably the biggest premise of it is just that constantly realigning. And I think it also takes a lot of away a lot of the selfishness that sometimes comes in seasons of suffering. Yeah. like, I know I'm guilty of that other people are too, but like when you have that other mindset, suddenly your suffering doesn't knock you out of ministry because you're so focused on yourself, it advances it. And you're able to just really see what the Lord is doing. And also like, if you're in one of those seasons, I encourage you to look back on your life to see how the Lord has used it in the past. Yeah, Because for me, I get sometimes so focused on the here and I'm like, okay, God, like, how can you use this if I take a step back, I'm like, okay, yeah. like, this is how you used all of these other situations. That I had no idea you were going to use them. So I have faith that you will do that again. I just can't see it yet.
1: Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. God, God is faithful. Mm-hmm. He is faithful. Our situations mm-hmm. seem to lead us down the path of fearful, but remembering, hey, God, God has given me a clear mission. He is good and trustworthy. And I'm placing this place. Situation, not just for myself, but for others as well. You know, that's that battleship mentality. I'm on a mission. What does the mission look like here? What does the mission look like today? Um, because, yeah, we're, we are very easily distracted. We are very easily defeated and uh, discouraged. And we talk about it all the time. That's why having a faith community around you to walk with you through these things, man. So important, Paul said. He's like, "Listen, I'm on fire for Jesus. The gospel is being known, and guess what? It has emboldened all the other brothers mm-hmm. to speak speak more. So, like, it's like I said last night, it's contagious. An eternal mindset is contagious um, because it's anyway. Sorry, yeah, it's contagious.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Any other final thoughts, remarks on this before we wrap it up?
1: No, I would just say if you don't have an eternal perspective, if that's a hard thing for you. Um, I would bring that, bring that up, uh, ask people to walk with you through it, ask God to give it to you, mm-hmm. ask God to, God help me to see people the way you see them. Um, w- when you read God's word, um, listen for the eternal perspective mm-hmm. and trust that the Holy Spirit will, um, as, as you said earlier, adjust your appetites. And because I think sometimes we, have, we just have appetites that actually are working against an eternal mm-hmm. perspective. And so some of those appetites need to change. Um, ask God to do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to do it.
0: Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We hope it was helpful and insightful. And as always, if you have any questions, come find us. We'd love to talk to you. And we hope you have a good week.